Welcome to your go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it? Gaming? Wait for it? Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is wait for it. This is the Wait For It Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wait For It Podcast. I am your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And welcome to the latest edition of Filuminati Fan Theories. Thank you all so much for joining me. Some of you listening may be listening to us for the very first time. Maybe you guys met us this past weekend at CollectiveCon here in Jacksonville. If I sound a little tired, I actually am recording this on Saturday night. So after night two or day two, I should say, of CollectiveCon. So I'm very, very tired, but also just, you know, on cloud nine, as always, after our convention, because we had an absolute blast here today and we're looking forward to Sunday. So maybe at this point, as I'm sitting here at this desk about to record, maybe I haven't even met you yet. Maybe we met on Sunday. So hello uh, from the past, <laughs> I guess I should say so. But we had so many people come up to our booth for the first time and meet us as we were promoting Bold Matsuri, which of course will be in June here in Jacksonville. So thank you so much for checking out our content, as well as all the people that we have met before that have interacted with us at convention. Shout out to Madison, who attended our pop culture battle bracket. She told us on, on social media that she's been listening for a very, very long time. We really appreciate you. Honestly, guys, stuff like that like literally makes our day. So even if you are a little shy, but if you've ever listened to our podcast, even if it's just one episode and you see us at a convention, you see us, you know, wherever we are working, let us know because like I said, it just absolutely makes our day and lets us know that this is all worth it. You know, we know there are a bunch of podcasts out there that you could listen to and, you know, you choose ours to spend at least a portion of your day. So we really, really appreciate that. If you're brand new to the Filuminati Fan Theories, it is a series that I really, really enjoy because I get to go search through the internet and find some just really, really interesting theories. I used to do conspiracy theories like some of my favorites were like the, you know, the Titanic sinking theory, celebrity doppelgangers. That was a lot of fun. But I wanted to move it to something more pop culture related and more fandom related, which is why I started doing fan theories. And I'm really enjoying it. And the feedback has been great as well. So I have four for you guys today. I wanted to do five, but I'm tired. All right. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was actually about to do Jurassic Park and Jurassic World, but I remember we're going to, we might have some new listeners this week. So I'll do something a little bit more all encompassing and I'll save Jurassic Park and Jurassic World for later this year. After all, with it being the 30th anniversary of the film, I definitely have to go back and talk about some dinosaurs and some theories from that franchise. But today we'll be looking at four theories from the animated world, mostly Disney and one Nickelodeon. We have Emperor's New Groove, SpongeBob, Moana, and Inside Out, four of my favorites. So let's jump right into this here. Again, if you are brand new, make sure to stick around to the very end of the episode. I'll let you know where you can find all of our social media links as well as the rest of our content. Let's start with the first one here. Was there an overlooked murder in the Emperor's New Groove? And this one is about eight years old. It's from Reddit user Lish underscore 94. This one's a short one. I had a random thought the other day about Disney's The Emperor's New Groove. While Cusco is walking in the forest in his llama form, he sees a fly screaming, help me, before it gets devoured by a spider. Now, this is done for comedic value in the film, but I think it's something much darker. The only animals that we see that are able to speak in the film are those that were originally human. Take Cusco and Yzma in her cat form, for example. 
Neither of them are seen to be able to talk with other animals, like the squirrel who is portrayed to communicate with squeaks and they are left to interpret what the squirrel is saying through the gestures it makes. My theory is that the fly was originally human. This would explain why Cusco is able to understand its cries for help, but then it gets brutally eaten by the spider and Cusco is left mortified. Whether or not if he realized the fly was in a similar situation to him, having been turned into an animal slash insect, is still up for debate. This one's pretty interesting. Some people in the comments were mentioning it's plausible. Wonder how many more people she, meaning Yzma, turned into animals and how many people she may have tested her potions on and never bothered to turn them back human. Another person mentions that they did have capital punishment in the Incan Empire in the 1500s. So I'm sure they were pretty creative with using prisoners and slaves for experimentation. This is a really, really dark one. So I think this one is very interesting. What do you guys think? Let's get into the next one here, which is from Moana. And the Reddit user has since deleted their account, so I'm not sure the name of the user, but all the links to these theories will be in the show notes. And this one states that Moana was dead for most of the movie. Moana begins with a titular character in her home island doing normal, worldly things. Then she gets the call to action, gets on a boat, goes on an adventure, saves the world, and then goes back home. In the very beginning of her journey, Moana asks the ocean for help and immediately gets hit by a storm. We're meant to understand that the storm drove her to her destination because she wakes up on Maui's island. What if there's a barrier between the normal human world and the magical other world, where all of the things from Polynesian mythology are? And the only way to get to the other world is to be part of it, for instance, being dead. My theory is that the storm killed Moana so she could go to the place where all the weird magic stuff exists, and at the very end, Tefiti not only fixes Moana's boat, which had been wrecked to bits but also brings her back to life so she can go back to the human world. Here are some things that support it. Moana doesn't meet or interact with any quote-unquote normal humans from the moment of the storm until after Tefiti brings her back. She only runs across Maui and monsters. Throughout the film, Moana survives things no human could survive. I mean, just look at all her falls in the realm of monsters. The only time we see Moana get physically hurt is when she gets her foot stuck in the reef, which happens before the storm when she was still on her island and alive. Moana meets her grandma and ancestors as ghosts during her adventure. She also sees her grandma's spirit as a stingray before the storm, but it's not only until after the storm that the two actually interact and talk to each other because they are both dead. In early drafts of the script, the realm of monsters was called the Underworld, and Moana actually met her ancestors there. That doesn't matter so much because it's not canon, but just a bit of trivia. And all this applies to Hei Hei the chicken as well, since he was with Moana all throughout her adventure. He must have also died in the storm and then been brought back to life by Tefiti. At the end, Maui even points out the chicken lives. They did add an edit here stating that they did remember that Moana does look hurt for a second when she's trying to get out of Maui's cave. That may simply be mental pain since she just ran into a rock and her brain is telling her that she should be hurt. Also, she does some crazy Spider-Man stunts a second after that. To the best of my memory, that's the only time she looks physically hurt between the storm and the finale. Now, people do point out that there is some magic within this world, specifically when Grandma is showing her the boats, you know, the huge canoes to Moana. She bangs on the drum and all the torches light up. So there are bits of magic within this world already. But I do really think this one is interesting. Again, I think pointing out the fact that she doesn't run into anybody else. But also remember, now that I'm thinking of it, nobody leaves the island. That's kind of the whole thing. It's kind of a whole unknown. So maybe in this world, you know, the island is the only place that humanity lives, you know, in their own universe, in the Moanaverse, wherever that may be. Again, I'm just a big fan of really well thought out theories. And this is definitely one I forgot to mention. This is from Reddit user Dave Midrock about three years ago. So really solid and Moana, one of my all time faves. Let's get to the last couple here. They're pretty wholesome. That's why I saved them till the end. 
And this one is about Inside Out. And this is from a Reddit user Frappuccino. And they have a theory as to why Riley's parents don't have Joy piloting their headquarters. So Riley's parents don't have Joy piloting their emotions the way Riley does. The mom has sadness and the dad has anger. And this isn't some edgy, the mom is depressed and the dad has a temper theory. It's the fact that the movie shows, as you age, your emotions become more complex. Shown by Riley's emotions being able to create fused memories at the end of the movie. These deeper and more mature emotions pilot the parents. The dad's anger is actually protectiveness, an expected fatherly trait. The mom's sadness is empathy, an expected motherly trait, and the message of the movie that sadness is the key to empathy. Sadness made Bing Bong feel better through empathy, and the mother has empathy as her main emotion to better connect with her child. Riley had anger piloting during the hockey game at the end because it's protectiveness and competitiveness, and of course, fathers have the need to protect their family, so that's where that ties in. This isn't really a theory, more of an observation, but I've had to point this out since a lot of people I know would always be like, LOL, mom is depressed. And someone in the comments had a really great follow-up here. This is the Reddit user Saltiest Popcorn. Yes, exactly. I've always thought of sadness at the helm being more than just depression. It means acknowledging that things aren't always perfect and jolly, but choosing love and kindness anyway. It's one of the more poignant realizations you have when growing up. Being sad about being mistreated, classmates being mean, pets getting abandoned, losing things. That's the first step to growing as a more empathetic and kind person. The whole point of Inside Out is to show that feelings are feelings. And you can't say that it is harmful or beneficial to feel a certain thing. Balance is key and every emotion has its place. Imbalanced anger equals aggression, but balanced anger equals protectiveness. Imbalanced disgust equals prejudice being jaded, but balanced disgust equals a healthy criticism. Imbalanced joy equals denial, but balanced joy equals optimism. Imbalanced fear equals anxiety, but balanced fear equals meticulousness and healthy perfectionism. And imbalanced sadness equals depression, but balanced sadness equals empathy and compassion. Inside Out is, in my opinion, one of the best Disney slash Pixar films ever made. One of the best animated pictures, honestly, that I've ever seen. And really, honestly, just kind of one of the best movies I've seen as a, um, you know, me being a millennial who <laughs> is who unapologetically sees all of these films, you know, the day that they come out. I'm interested to think I'm interested to hear what people think about them making a sequel to this movie because I, I don't think we need it. I'm not 100 percent sure what the plot is. I have heard rumors or rumblings that it's going to be like an older Riley, but this is just one of those films that did not need a follow up. It doesn't need a sequel. Um, but am I going to see it? Absolutely. I will be there opening night. And let's leave the Disney universe to get to our last one here, which is SpongeBob. And I thought this one was just really nice. This is another Reddit user who has since deleted their account, but I really enjoyed this one. And it states that SpongeBob is always nice to Squidward because he knows that he's Squidward's only friend. So it's no secret that SpongeBob clearly cares for Squidward, no matter how many times Squidward pushes SpongeBob away. SpongeBob always goes back to trying to be Squidward's friend. In the show, this is often presented like classic SpongeBob naivety or stupidity. Obvious Squidward doesn't want to be SpongeBob's friend, but SpongeBob is too naive to see it. However, I don't think that's the case. First, Squidward has no other friends. I think that's obvious. He hates everything and thinks everyone is an idiot except for him. I think SpongeBob is really the only person besides himself that Squidward really cares about. Evidence Squidward cares about SpongeBob. In the April Fool's episode, Squidward says, and I quote, I didn't mean to hurt you. In fact, SpongeBob, I like you. I like living next door. I like hearing your foghorn alarm in the morning and your high-pitched giggling at night. He then goes on to say he even likes Gary, Patrick, Sandy, and Mr. Krabs. When Squidward moves away, he finds his new home to be too boring and misses SpongeBob. 
Third, I realize I haven't been numbering these. Number three, <laughs> when a fish makes SpongeBob cry, Squidward knocks him in the face with the pizza. That's the pizza delivery episode. Rusty In the hash-slinging slasher, Squidward tells Spongebob, I've always kind of liked you. That's number four. I'm still not numbering. <laughs> Damn it. Number five. In the Christmas episode, Squidward pretends to be Santa and literally gives away all of his stuff just to make Spongebob happy. Basically, Squidward is grumpy, unhappy, and disappointed at where his life is at. He's very posh, and it's clear he never expected to spend his life as a cashier. But deep down, he sort of likes his life, though he tries not to admit it. And I think SpongeBob knows all of this. He knows. He knows one, Squidward is unhappy and doesn't have many friends. And two, that deep down Squidward really does care for SpongeBob. And for SpongeBob being the lovable sponge he is, that's all he needs to know. He knows that Squidward needs a friend no matter how many times he gets pushed away. SpongeBob keeps going back to make Squidward happy. So as I mentioned, I kept that one for the very end because I thought it was really sweet, really wholesome. Especially for you older listeners out there around my age, like fellow millennials, you know that like as we have gotten older, we relate to Squidward a lot more than we relate to SpongeBob. But speaking from experience, I know sometimes, you know, we have that friend in our life who isn't necessarily a bad person, but you know, maybe they just kind of keep to themselves, but you always constantly check in, the, check in with them and let them know you care about them and you know, all that. I think maybe that's what SpongeBob is doing here. But like I said, I wanted to end on that one because it was really, really wholesome. But that's what I got for you this month here, guys, for Filuminati fan theories. Again, I wanted to do five, but I am exhausted. So I promise next week, maybe next month, I mean, I will uh, I'll add in an extra one for y'all. But it's uh, probably going to be Jurassic Park because, again, I need to pay homage to my favorite franchise of all time. But guys, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I always enjoy doing the research and bringing them to you. So let me know in the comments what you think. Hopefully you actually listen to the entire episode and not just a clip on TikTok or Instagram or whatever it is. And, you know, get all defensive and upset. And I'm not allowed to reply to you because Eric has banned me from replying to comments on social media. Uh, But if you're, you know, if you have a little bit of a smart mouth, just know in my head, I'm yelling at you and probably not very nice things. But anyway, uh, guys, once again, uh, thank you for listening. If you do want to check out or find us on social media, make sure you check out the show notes. You will find our link tree. It's got our links to all of the social media pages, as well as where you can find all the rest of our episodes and our Patreon link. We just launched that recently. We're going to be adding a lot of content there soon. If you want to support the show a little bit more uh, than what you can do as far as like giving us five-star reviews and things of that nature, sign up for Patreon and we'll give you guys a bunch of extra content. You'll get to participate in exclusive polls as far as future episodes. So let us know what you guys would like to see. You know, if you sign up for Patreon, what would you guys like to do? You know, is it live streaming? Is it, you know, Q&As? Or would you guys just like to hang out with us? We can host events, stuff like that. You know, we just really want to hear from you, the listener. And um, we really, really appreciate it. But folks, that is it for me. I am heading to bed. I am exhausted. So thank you so much. My name is Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino. And do not forget, we release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And all you have to do is wait for it. So... I heard you're looking for a go-to source for entertainment. Wait for it. Gaming? Wait for it. Anime? Plus Ultra! Mr. Eric Almighty and Phil the Filipino? Yeah, they've got you covered. And all you gotta do is... Wait for it. This 
is the Wait For It Podcast.